May it please the court, counsel. I'm here on behalf of the appellant, Nicholas Tashman. Uh, this case is before the court on a grant of summary judgment on a case arising out of 42 U.S.C. section 1981 for unlawful discrimination, as well as state law claims for assault and intentional infliction of emotional distress. I'll begin my argument with the grant of summary judgment on the section 1981 claim. On, uh, on page 11 of the district court's uh, decision, they held in order to establish a discriminatory intent by an employer related to an employee's misconduct, plaintiff must show that the employer knew or should have known of the employee's racially hostile propensities. And the district court stated that it was relying upon this court's previous decision in Green versus D Dillard's in stating that this is the standard and which must be shown. But that is not the holding in Green. Green held that while such evidence is one way to establish an employer's liability, Green did not in turn overturn long established principles of agency law and other methods of proving respondent superior. In fact, to the contrary, Green specifically went out of its way to cite a number of cases from other jurisdictions, Arguello and two Waffle House cases, as well as a long list of uh, uh, lower court cases, saying that the arguments presented by the defendant, similar to the ones presented here, uh, have been rejected elsewhere and then referring to those other cases as cases which are, quote, worthy of note. That, I would respectfully uh, argue, is not the language that a court uses when it is rejecting other forms of, or other theories of liability. In fact, what the court went on to do in green is to say that there it was to recognize other forms of liability. At page 540, uh, the court noted that while in the Green case, there was no evidence of discriminatory policies or discriminatory acts by managers, they left open the door that that, in fact, is a possibility. On the following page, on page 541, the Green court went on to state a jury could also infer that inaction by Dillard's contributed to the incident. There is evidence that Dillard's lacked procedures to remedy discrimination towards customers, did not consistently keep records of complaints, and employed managers who did not take prompt corrective action against discrimination. They also noted that Dillard's failed to take reasonable measures to stop the discrimination, but continued instead to place the offending sales clerk on the sales floor and authorize her to interact with customers. All of that is noted in green. Counsel, we are, uh, i let you go, but sure. we, we have de novo review now, right? Exactly. Okay, don't you think green adopts the restatement second of agency? Yes. Factors, okay, great. Section 213. Yes, sir, exactly, yes. 213, you're yes. Now, uh, which of those do you claim is your best argument for liability here? 
Which section? Yeah, A, B, C, or D. As you know, there are A, B, C, and D, and, and the Green case did A, B, C, and D. You know a, B, and C, D of section 213? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I, I, we are positing that it's section 219, which, are, which was used in the cases that Green is citing and stating, stating are worthy of note. It's just that Green did not need to go to 219 because in Green there were facts present that fit 213. But, but in Green we don't cite 219, right? We only cite 213? Correct me if I'm wrong. This you is cite to the cases no. that rely upon 219. Don't we on page 540 cite Restatement Second of Agency 213? We the court. On page 218. Two, uh, I'm sorry, it's page 540 of Green. Sure. Based say. upon, you say, based upon the facts in this case, you then go on to state that you're using 213. Right. Okay, proceed. There's no, there's no okay. question that in Green, 213 was used. Proceed. I, I'm not arguing with that. But Green did not say that all other, that the entire uh, theory or all other theories of vicarious liability are excluded. And that's where I believe the district court erred because we presented those arguments to the court. It did not even consider those arguments. It did not even consider 219 in any fashion, made no reference whatsoever to 219 or any other uh, theory of vicarious liability. Um, in this case, we had presented a very strong argument for something that Green certainly is alluding to, and that is ratification. What we have here, unlike Green, <coughs> when, uh, uh, when the altercation, which is on videotape, I mean, there's no dispute that this, in <laughs> fact, happened. Uh, it, after they dragged Mr. Doe off into the back, to keep him from attacking Mr. Tashman, Mr. Tashman is standing there in the middle of the store, dumbfounded, and the, the store manager comes out, and instead of apologizing and saying, I will complete your transaction, I will help you with whatever you want, he kicks him out. He says, get out of the store. And Mr. Tashman, dumbfounded, leaves, clearly being denied any opportunity to complete his transaction whatsoever. Um, so we've got the store manager now involved, and then instead of taking any disciplinary action whatsoever against Mr. Doe, what they do is they let him continue working that day. They let him continue working every day for two full months until I write a letter to corporate headquarters and the, the HR person over the Midwest region in corporate headquarters says, what's going on here? This was never reported to me like it should have been. There is no documentation done by the store manager or by the district manager, both of whom had full knowledge of what happened and had reviewed the videotape on the day or the day after this incident occurred. With full knowledge, they covered that up. They did not document it. They did not report it. They did not discipline Mr. Doe at all. In fact, what happened was the district manager affirmatively told Mr. Doe, I'm not going to fire you. 
you can't get stronger evidence of ratification than someone coming to you, the district manager coming to you and saying, you know, I've seen the videotape and I've heard what Mr. Tashman said and I've got all the facts, but I'm keeping you on. I'm not even docking you pay. I'm not doing anything. I'm not making you go take a seminar. Nothing. They completely ratified this. And when we took Mr. Doe's deposition, Counselor, are you trying to say it was negligent supervision? No, no, not negligent supervision. I'm okay. saying it's ratification. And, and well, uh, ratification is not in 213. No, it's not in 213. It's in another section of... Uh, oh, it, oh, not in 213. No, it's in another section of the restatement. Uh, <clears throat> let me see that. Let me get that for you, well, Judge. I'm trying to see... What negligence caused the, assuming you can get, use negligence, what negligence caused the discrimination? So I'm driving it. Well, ratification is recognized by the restatement. I don't. No, care. no, no, no. Proceed, of course. Yeah. Okay. So, in any event, Judge, they failed to document, they failed to report, they failed to discipline, they continued to have Mr. Doe uh, interact with customers. They affirmatively assured him that they wouldn't fire him. They did everything they could to ratify this until my letter came to their corporate headquarters threatening litigation. Let's assume for a second that you're right, that <clears throat> your argument is not foreclosed by Green. Are you suggesting we should adopt a, a position that, um, that the defendant is vicariously liable, the employer is vicariously liable just because the employee was at work? No, no. What I am uh, uh, asking the court to do is to adopt Section 219, which this court has recognized in the past, other Missouri courts have recognized in the past, which says that they must be acting within the scope of employment, which is my next argument after ratification. Um, and we can go on and discuss that, uh, in fact, right now, since I'm running out of time here. Uh, Scope of employment, Judge, uh, the uh, uh, Missouri law is clear. As long as an act is incidental to the employer's business, it is performed in the course and scope of employment, even if mistakenly or ill-advisedly done. In fact, this court in Doe by Doe versus BPS Guard Service held that even if the employee's predominant motive may be to benefit himself, respondent superior will nonetheless apply so long as the employer's business actuates the employee to any appreciable extent. Here, there's just no question. What happened was uh, uh, Mr. Tashner walks in. He, he says, I want to get my battery tested, so if it fails, I'm going to buy a new battery. Um, Mr. Doe throws down a piece of paper and a pen and says, put your damn name on the piece of paper. That's not the actions of a sales clerk who is not threatening. I mean, that's, that's a threatening type of, uh, of uh, statement. It's game on from that point on. The sole purpose of asking him to put his name on that piece of paper was for the benefit of advanced auto parts not for some personal reason uh, from Mr. Doe. Mr. Doe didn't want his name and number. 
he then when mr tashman was stunned he launches into this tirade about go back to your tamil country and i'm going to kick your ass all of this was actuated and part of the transaction of getting the battery tested the the district court's decision i believe is an error it ignores other theories of liability for vicarious liability it applied a very constricted too narrow view of scope of employment which is completely inconsistent with missouri law missouri supreme court has clearly held otherwise in fact this court in doe by doe is clearly held otherwise we reserve the remainder of my time for rebuttal thank you very well thank you good morning may it please the court my name is brian mcbrary and i represent advanced auto park council this is a pretty clear case i believe especially with regard to section 1981 council did go on talking about green but green stands for the logical proposition that you cannot make a 1981 case unless you can show evidence that the employer was negligent that's what the finding of green was it did discuss other cases arguello and others section 219 cases but the green court said well we've never had to do this before these cases come up all the time here's what our position is going to be and that is that the evidence must show that the employer is directly not inferentially not vicariously directly liable for harm resulting from its own negligence and the court has looked at this case and judge autry recognized there was not a scintilla of evidence of any prior issues with his employee doe he in fact was described as a good employee he was there all the time he showed up never any consequences with anyone these employment records went back 12 or 15 years because that's how long he'd been with advanced auto parts or it's the predecessor company that they acquired the testimony from all the witnesses in the record their testimony witnesses two things they're utterly surprised by this outburst because that's not like him mr doe is a 78 year old man long retired and working part-time there the other is that he'd never said anything ever had anything like this before so i believe the 1981 issue is is clear unless this court has decided to change the law i think that case the 1981 claim is properly dismissed one other point council argues arguello but even in arguello you still have to show that the actions alleged by the employee arose out of the court in the course and scope of employment all the focus here is not on course it's on scope course is place and time scope is what are the job duties did what he do arise out of his job duties all of the cases cited by council and uh just to look at some of the uh case the doe by doe versus bps 
it still said you have to prove that that action rose out of and in the, uh, out of the scope of his employment. And Judge Arthur clearly said assaulting employees is not in furtherance of the employer's business. All of these cases say, several cited in appellant's brief, so, all so, say the same thing. So Mr. Schuver says, lays down the pad and says, put your damn name on this, and that that is for the purpose of getting a battery test. Free battery test. Something like that. Right. So at, the, at, what, at what point does it not become within the scope, and how do we decide that? Well, the facts were that he came in, he was given the papers, and they were required to put the names on. Doe got the papers back, and they were not signed. At that point, he at that point he allegedly said, "Put your put your damn name on the paper." Um, when it turns into an an assault, and they allege an assault, when it turns into assault, that's outside the course of scope of employment. In some of the cases cited by uh, counsel, you know, you have the uh, the uh, the bouncer who is his job is to remove unruly people from a bar. That's that's the scope of his employment to lay hands on people and remove them. And when he, so when he gets too aggressive, that's still in the scope because he's doing what he's supposed to do. Advanced Auto Parts had these policies. Judge Autry noted that. They had a very firm anti-discrimination policy. Their company policy was that the customer is always right. Their policy is, regardless of how idiotic a retail customer may be, they're still right. Advanced Auto Park also said, uh, you know, we do not disrespect our employees at all. So in all three counts, he violated company policy right there. So it's like driving down the highway and you're doing the speed limit, that's your job as a truck driver. Now, when you see a cow in the middle of the field and you decide you want to run the cow over, that's outside the course and scope of employment. And in this case, Judge Archer said assaulting people is not within the course and scope of employment. And that affects the assault case. But if I'm a truck driver and I'm driving down the road and my company policy is to follow the speed limit, and I decide to exceed it. Am I now out, exceed the speed limit? Am I now outside the scope of employment? Not, no, no. If you're doing if you're doing seventy and sixty-five, um, I would say you would be in course scope of employment. All right. Now, but in this case, we're talking about an assault. We have three minimum issues where he has violated company policy. Um, <clears throat> the other issue uh, with regard to ratification, if I briefly address that, uh, counsel makes, a, makes a, a large about ratification, which doesn't apply under 213 for one thing. But number two, the timeline here is ignored by appellant's counsel. And there's also uh, a statement that was made that I must address, simply not true. Doe was never told you're not going to be fired. That's not in the record. Yeah, but he was never disciplined, right, for six weeks? He was fired. No, he was not disciplined for six weeks or he was, weeks. he was made to stay home. If you look at the record, he was made to stay home for several days. And then he came back. So you say there was discipline? Yes. Okay. Was, two, it labeled as, hey, was it labeled as discipline? I don't know. Okay. And second of all, did it involve him losing pay? 
moving what? Losing pay, I'm sorry. Southern Missouri Telephone. Yes, he, yeah. did, he did lose pay. He was, if you don't work, you don't get paid at Advanced Auto Parts. Okay? So he was. So you say the signal. record reflects how many days? It's in the uh, deposition transcript of uh, Dante Baranon. It's in Doge. It's in Doge transcript. It's all in there. Now, what happened was that appellant overlooks is that the regional, the, the store manager reports it to the regional manager. The regional manager takes some things, does, and his testimony, the regional manager's testimony is, I thought corporate was handling it. That's what he thought. That's why no further action was taken. But that's said, still all within the corporation council. That doesn't make a difference about them pointing the finger at each other. You, you get no, that. no. But you get that. He ahead. was fired within uh, eight weeks. The actual investigation nothing, took two weeks. Okay. Did nothing? What happened within the first six weeks? Because the other side claims that for six weeks nothing happened. And well, you, you told me. Let me finish. Right. Just, just so you don't have to retract right. You, you told me helpfully that there were, he had some days off without pay. Now, what else happened in that six weeks? Nothing. He was he was brought back. There was no retraining. He's correct about that. Okay. He was brought back. Uh, did corporate do anything else or any part of Advanced Auto Parts? <laughs> Sorry. Did any other other part of the corporation do anything in those six weeks? Not that I'm aware. I don't think the record reflects that. Thank you. Thank you, Your Honor. I uh, I'm done. Unless you have any further questions. Hearing none. Thank you. I'll try to respond quickly. Um, there is no record discipline. We have his personnel file. No. Did, did he, was he off work for a few days without there, pay? Yes what, or no? No. What happened is Mr. Moranin, when we took his deposition, said, I think that we must have suspended him. But when I asked Mr. Doe in his deposition, he point blank said no. There's no record in their file of any discipline. There's no write-up. There's no nothing. So whatever it was, it was a fiction. For six weeks, right? Is For your, six weeks. Six weeks is your frame, correct? Yes, okay. yes. Until uh, November 12th, actually, is when he's terminated. And he has to be told multiple times by three different people in corporate who are above him, Mr. Moran, to go fire this man before he finally does. And this is after he's already told him, I'm not going to fire him. And even when he fires him, he doesn't tell him why, because Mr. Doe testified... He never even told me why I was being fired. I just he just nope. let me go. As you know, in Missouri, that's not required. You're well. Oh, aware. I know yeah. it's not required. No. But you would think that if you are taking some affirmative action on this, that you would at least say, you know, that was a bad thing. You shouldn't be doing that, and that's why you're getting fired. They didn't. He was trying everything he could to ratify what Mr. Doe was doing. Um, as far as the uh, scope of employment, the Maniachi case. I don't think you can find a more egregious case where the Missouri Supreme Court said that a clerk who needed to get a, a receipt signed by a customer met the customer outside of work after hours, handed the receipt to the customer, asked him to sign it, and then pulled out a gun and shot the customer. And the court nonetheless said there is respondeat superior liability for that. If there's respondeat superior liability for that, God bless us, there's got to be respondeat superior liability in this case. I ask that you uh, reverse and remand this case and with some direction that the court is to look at Section 219 and other recognized 
theories of vicarious liability uh, that have been employed by this court and other Missouri courts. Thank you very much for your time. Court thanks both counsel for your appearance and arguments and briefing today. Um, case is submitted and we will issue an opinion in due course. Court will stand in recess for about 10 minutes before